places. We thank you for the safety you've given us to get here. We thank you for this night, Wednesday night, which is set aside, Lord, for a time where we can listen to the words of the gospel, in this case in Matthew, and wherever it takes us in the Bible, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the people that assemble. We thank you for the many people that believe. And just ask you to keep us all safe, keep us in your will, and give us now this word um, of life to us. We ask you also to be with the many people that um, that uh, you raise up tonight for prayer concerns. And so we just uh, thank you, bless you, and ask you all these things in the name of our Lord, Savior, Jesus. Amen. I did do that backwards, but anyway. Uh, is there any any announcements other than Saturday? We're all meeting for our dinner. Is that six o'clock? The six? Uh, yeah, six p.m. Uh, six p.m. Okay. Six o'clock. So then, for uh, any prayer concerns, anybody have any? The Melton family. Okay. I was with Walter today. Of course, I'm in Vernon a little bit. They're doing, they're doing okay. They want, you know, keep him in prayer. And, uh, oh, Mary Bess. Up in Indianapolis is thanking is thanking you for her prayers. She's seeming like she's doing a little better here and there, and, and each time she moves forward, she has a bump and falls back again. But she thanks you very much for your prayers. Any others? Any praises? Thank you for being here tonight. Okay. Good to have you. Actually, I had a great. Yes. It's second time, but it was just so exciting. We watched a prophecy sermon, and the gentleman who was speaking, one of the co speakers, said that in the last couple in one day, there was the largest download of media of any kind that happened in Iran. And it was in one day at one specific time. And all of us were Christian. It was sermons, Bible reading, teaching, preaching, everything. And they, there has never been a download so anomalous as Christianity in Iran must be alive still. That's good. Any others? We're glad to have you all here. I kind of forget where we left off.
Does anybody have an idea? I thought, thought it was the last part of 24, Matthew. Did we cover the day and time we do not know? I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. So I have the King James Version in large print. And let's start at verse 42. And I'll read to the end of the chapter. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in which and what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would have uh, not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in an hour, such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man come. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is the servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if, but, and if the evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord of the servant shall come in a day when he looketh for not for him in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and shall be and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's interesting is this carries over into the next chapter, which we're going to get into. Um, The the servant concept. Uh, Sometimes we look at the, they call motif, or the words that jump off the pages as a theme of what we're talking about. And this is still answering end time prophecy. When is the day going to be? I mean, they want the sign of His coming. They also want to know, well, they want to know um, the three things were first. When will these things happen, which we talked about in the temple? When will you come? What was the third one? Third one is, what will the sign be of your coming? I think, and what will the time be? So he's answering the time part here. He he is not vague on this point. He's not being unclear. He says, 
No one knows the time. Period. No one knows. And and the way he says it is, the Lord of the servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. So, remember when he first started out in this chapter, he said, do not be deceived. And so the deception is so high during this time. What is this time? This is in the tribulation. This is in the end time. This, he's answering the question for him. The end time will be the tribulation. It will be a period of time when you can begin to get the bullet points, as they call them. The points that he says, it doesn't say, are all registered here. The Christians are not here. The bride is gone. He's not talking to the church. He's talking to the remnant of the Jews here. And that is hard to hold on to in the concepts of what he's saying. Because the church is just looking this over. Right now the church is in the end time period to some extent. I mean, the signs seem to be there. And they're looking for relevance here on what is the end time all about. What is there for me to pull off these pages it still applies it still applies differently but it applies and it applies in such a way that some of the other themes come out what's the goods what is the goods boy I I, I struggled with this one it says um, that he's going to make him it says who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord, I think he's speaking of himself, hath made him ruler over his household and given them meat in due season is one part of it, but given him, and then 47 it says, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. What is his goods? What has Jesus entrusted as the goods to the to the people on earth. What's the goods? We'll see later talents come up. But what's the goods? There's only one good and it's salvation. It is the goods. And He's going to give that to us? But we can't do anything with salvation, can we? What He's going to entrust Him with the kingdom of God here. It's hard to tell if it's salvation or it's the kingdom of God. All through this chapter, all through this book of Matthew, it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, back and forth. Any one of you can jump in on this if there's another thought here. But this theme of the servant is very big. The theme of the goods of the Lord and the entrusting of it now in this end time period to those that are there and there's this underlying theme of judgment through this whole end of this chapter what's the judgment well he ends with he's going to cut asunder the hypocrites and he's going to entrust even more but he makes a delineation between those that smite who fellow servants 
fellow servants. What is fellow servant? So the church, or the church is not there, right? That's what's hard. The believer and the unbeliever are together here. Just like in the church, the believer and unbeliever are together. And you can't tell the tares from the from the wheat. You can here also tell the believer and the unbeliever. And so in this whole process, we have an overarching theme of answering this question first in this Olivet Discourse in chapter 24 of the events, of the signs of the events, the things that happen, the tangible elements of what you can be watchful for and look for, but their events has nothing to do with the individual. They are the signs in the sky. They are the nature of taking care of this kingdom in a world that's in the tribulation. And this is chapter 24, the events. And when we go into it, you'll see chapter 25 shifts. The paradigm shifts completely from telling you exactly what the signs look like to parables, a mystery of God. He shifts completely into parables. Completely, We'll have parables. Well, actually, two parables and, and the judgment story or narrative of what it's going to be like separating the goats from the sheep. But the second part is the individual thing. And he gets into the individual servant right here at the end of the signs. Because he's prefacing it. You know what? They divided this 25 and 24 oddly in this case because here he's talking almost about the talents in the last part of this chapter. What he's entrusted to. And it's just just so much here. So much here. I don't think... um, you can listen to the Roman powers and the writing in the light of the Romans. This whole chapter is only in the light of the Jewish, the, the Jewish culture and the Jewish, it, it, what Jesus is saying to the Jewish Jewish people. It has nothing to do with the political environment of the times. In fact, one particular scholar said there is nothing context-wise in parts of this except in Matthew itself. In other words, you can't go outside and pick up pieces of literature or anything outside the Bible to point to what's going on here. This is strictly in no man's land in terms of historical content. This is, there's no history here. This is all prophecy. This is all future th- things that are to happen. There is nothing here that leaves the Jewish culture. It's all in the Jewish culture. And we'll see that as we go through it. So, I kind of want to preface that a little bit. Is there any other thoughts to the theme? Given all the signs of tribulation, but now he's back to the hour before the tribulation. 
same left turn in 36, following all the way to the end, he's talking before the actual tribulation. Seems to be like this. That's why he's telling us to watch and be ready. It's almost as if this specific part is a warning even to us as a church. To the church, okay. To to be ready. To be watchful. Because these questions, you actually would have to read this chapter backwards to answer those questions, I think, in order. Because he started out answering with the signs, and now he's answering the hour, which, of course, he know, we don't know. Only the Father knows. But it just seems to me like that's the case. Like it's a warning for us to be ready, even as the church be watchful paying attention because it seems like in talking about the two servants and the wheat and the tares in the tribulation day you're going to know the difference between a believer and an unbeliever because the unbelievers are going to be killing and obviously beheading right. um, the believers but now we don't really know the difference but as the days draw near it seems like as the evil servant talks about going to start to be seen a little bit more of the separation between the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. Because it's at that point you're saying that they're going to be cast out. But it just, I don't know, it just seems like he's, he's going answering all these backwards. And this, at the end of the chapter, is a warning to us to, to be ready. Right. And I think, I think uh, there's two events here. There's the rapture and then there's him coming, and I think Jesus well knows this, and so he can his words can speak to the church here real easily by being ready. We're to be watchmen on the wall, and and we're given signs. The same signs come to roll the raptors, and here he is. I don't think. <laughs> Somebody might have disappeared, but I don't. I don't think so. I think um, this period of grace, the day of the Gentiles, of the the time of the Gentiles, is not over. So this is kind of going on, and it's overlapping the rapture and the end time when He comes down, and when we go through that period of time when He comes, the end of the tribulation. There's some really, really important things there in this chapter 25 that, that really explain what's happening. And there's three parts of that chapter 25, and it's good to keep them in mind. You just said it's kind of backwards. And so it, the, chapter 25 is part of this. The same question is being answered, and it, and it, comes, it comes through with kind of three, or I've picked out three, I've made four, I said the kingdom parables initially, the kingdom parables, all this stuff given earlier, and the kingdom kind of comes into focus here. But the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and then the final judgment. And the final judgment is not a parable. It's like fact. But the parables that the scholars get a hold of, they seem to think, oh, is he talking about Roman uh, wealth here? Is he going off on a tangent? No. No, he's it, and when you really dig into what he's saying in there, it connects 
the context is so strong in it connecting back to to the end time answer of end time prophecy that's in 24. So they tie together. And right here he's talking about what these serpents he's going to trust with talents. He's going to call it talents later. What they're doing here. Yeah, you're right. Sort of like answers that question and then he goes on. Why does he shift to parables? There's no them there. We'll get into that when we read first part of 25. Right. Yeah, the goods. That's the only goods I think. Yeah, and they're both going to be responsible for them. Right. When we see the value of the talents, the, the goods, it's it's almost metaphorical. The, the goods he's talking about here have to be royally powerful goods. Is it? And he's he's expecting an account of a return on that uh, investment that belongs to who? Him. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to see a return on that, and so. But as we get into that, um, we're closing kind of a, a chapter here, where this is a point at which it shifts into a mystery. It shifts to individual responsibilities in chapter twenty-five. I'm just prefacing that chapter twenty-five is individual responsibilities. It's not collectively watch the signs together. This goes to the individual. Boom. To the little ones. Boom. And uh, so let's read 1 through 13 of chapter 25. And this may take a while. And this has a lot of questions in it, in a sense. But then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They were that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a, a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye neither know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. I'll stop there. But watch, therefore, you don't know. He's still answering a bit of that last question in 24 here. 
He's also taking this to ten virgins, okay, who are individually responsible for what? Their oil. Their oil in their lamp. What what is oil? I I was told not to make up ideas of what oil is, but it's pretty well known that oil is the Holy Spirit. I mean in most cases people think, what is the oil? The oil many times speaks of the spirit, the oil, you're anointed in the spirit with oil. Uh, many, many things come um, to play in this, but this is preparation. So the operative themes are preparation, watchfulness, and to be ready for what? This Son of Man coming. This is end time prophecy. This is the end of the time. So who's, who is this doing this? It's the Jews. It's the Jewish people who are closest to this. But it's actually the Jews and the Gentiles alike. But kind of the Jews because why do we just think it might be the Jews? It's because this is the wedding story. When the bridegroom came and took his bride to the marriage ceremony and to the marriage feast, okay? And those are two things that will be brought up. The marriage ceremony and the feast. There was always virgins that would go along with a lantern and a light and would light the way. Would light the way to the marriage ceremony. I mean the yeah. The ceremony first and then so it, I don't like to allegorize so much, but you wanna uh, add any take to that, Darren, or anything? If but it's the oil, see, that has to be gotten, that has to be the item that is required to go in and to be accepted at the ceremony. What's the ceremony? He's bringing the church to this time. He comes again. His sign, the coming of Jesus again on earth, is going to have what? First, the ceremony, the wedding of the bride and the bridegroom. There's also Israel, which is the wife of God. There's a ceremony of, in the feast, also of Israel and God. There's a nation of Israel and God will happen too. These two things. This is all said by Fruchtenbaum, Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Very strongly, and it's his take that this is two separate events, two separate things, kind of happening close together. But what's happening here is that the virgins is the Jews who have the oil or do not have the oil, and those that do not have the oil are cast into utter darkness. Okay. It's really, it's it's kind of um, we do not know the time. These these um, virgins 
uh, were charged with the responsibility of gathering the oil and to be watchful. This is individual responsibilities now. This is a parable, so it has a mystery of God in this parable. Why is there a mystery of God in it if he's talking to the disciples? You know, if we go back in context, we're still with the disciples. And if you go back to the first part of this, um, it said, uh, he came to the disciples to, and they asked him about the buildings. It says, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So this is a private time of the disciples still. This hasn't changed. So the context here is he's with the disciples and they're saying to him, um, you know, when is the end time going to occur? It's, it's interesting how he still answers this, but with a parable. Why is he holding a mystery here? For the reader of the end time period, maybe. Maybe. There's several takes on it. Anybody wants to have any thoughts on this? But this, he's gone back to the parable. And if, and if I can uh, kind of bring this up, and the parable part of this. The parable is um, this is somewhere back in Matthew, I think, 13. It says, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. He shouldn't be holding back anything for the disciples here because he's giving this clearly to them. And he probably knows they clearly understand this. Metaphors and all. They do know what this means. But why the mystery? Why is it told in a parable? It's interesting. You know, I, I gotta say, I don't know that too well to say the, a definitive answer on that. If anybody has any thoughts on that, but two parables, two very clear parables come out here. And he's telling them directly to the disciples. And he's not sitting down and explaining what the meaning of them are to the disciples, at least on these on these pages in this point in time. And this this first one, he they talk about watchmen on the wall. One of the things that um, uh, comes up probably earlier. I don't know if it didn't come up here. Was the master's goods is called uparchania. It's Greek for property or possession. So it's the master owns that. And it's a word that um, is is uh, illustrated for mainly the talents. The first parable is Clearly, individual's responsibility for watching and preparing for the Son of God. Period. That is that is the thing that comes out of it. Can't make this to be something else. It's to be ready and have the Holy Spirit guiding you. And if you are a believer, you will enter into the kingdom uh, and into the marriage ceremony first. And then the feast afterwards. And so then 
This in turn is done privately and individually. When we come down to the town, it's done in a far country. What's going on in the far country? Well, the, the goods are taken all over the country. So he's entrusting these fellow servants in the last part of 24 with his goods and his servants. Service to who? Fellow servants. Discipleship. It, it really falls into discipleship. Discipleship is probably the single strongest thing that ties the church or the believers together. In this case, it's going to be the believers. Um, and then uh, that's kind of a little bit of uh, going into an overview, but one of the things that I want to see if clear, is there any thoughts on the versions? Uh, ten versions. Why five and why five? Why ten? Yeah. Showing the individual salvation that we're not going to heaven on anybody else's coattails. Right. Uh, it's individual. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting the finality of it because the door is shut, just like in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Noah and the family out on the ark, the door was shut, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. So I think that parable is definitely dealing with the, the end time. Right. The it's very cool. last days, at the very end. Mm-hmm. And. This is on the cusp of entering into the millennium, which uh, some of the Jews in the tribulation will be invited as guests. It's not that the church has the ceremony for marriage. These are entering in as guests. These the virgins, the the one with the oil with the belief. These are going to be guests at the wedding ceremony, which is kind of interesting. Interesting. This is again proof and bombs take. But preparedness is the thing. Still the sign. He's still working with the sign, telling what the sign is. And I think telling us today. And part of the parables is for us today. It's cloaked in the mystery for us today. It's up to us to see this. But we now have the Spirit to guide us into, into all truth. And so we can see this in the guidance of the Spirit, in the, in the light of the oil. It becomes very clear to us what, but enough clear that we get it. We should be watchful, prayerful, ready, and waiting. Remember the last time when we said, Baruch, Habah, Bashem, Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And remember what Jesus said, I will not come again until you say, Baruch, Abba, Vashem, Adonai, which means, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When they see it, and this is a period of time they will see this, five of those virgins see it. Five do not. And so it begins to tie together. All these things it begin to resonate and pull together as having some value in context, as we say, or meaning to this, this overall thing. And the lamps were burning. And the light was shining. What? The light was shining. The, the light of Jesus Christ was shining in those lamps as they walked along. So the application here is that we are to show that spirit, that 
belief and that those who believe go in. Those who do not believe and their light is out, they're not shining. Not, no fruit, as you said earlier. No fruit being shown. Yeah. And it's over. The parable of the talents is, is next. Do we have time to go into that? Or? I don't know what the time is. Can't tell. Okay. I'd like to just offer up. We might want to cover this a little more. Jerry gets back again. Uh, because it, it also is individual responsibilities. And as we read through this, I think it's from 1430, it gives us uh, a, another story. Just backing up a little bit. He said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to the ten virgins. Right? So it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he who had received two, he also gained other two. And he that had received one went out, digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he had he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strewn. And I was afraid, and went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto them, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strewn. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath ten talents. And unto every one that hath shall be given and 
he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not, thou it shall be taken away, even that he hath. And he and cast ye the unprofitable servant into utter outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. So individual responsibilities. The Lord has given talents to every body differently. It looks like. Um, actually, there's two here that did okay. There's some that were given talents too. One guy was given one talent, but he didn't uh, do the right thing. So the talents are, interestingly enough, the talent, what's a talent? Turns out it's silver. Each talent uh, weighs between 58 and 80 pounds. The talent of silver is worth right now $19,000 to $27,000 and he gave the guy 10. He gave him a quarter of a million dollars, probably, the 10. So what Jesus is saying here in his parable is something of great value has been given, entrusted. Not anything he earned or anything he deserved. Just given this great ability. He calls it an ability in another section here, but it's he's given this to him and it's of great value. Dollar-wise, he's making his point. Uh, the talent is the Lord's. It's his silver. It's not theirs. And he's he's not giving it to him. Uh, essentially, he's entrusting him with it. So he didn't give it to him and say, here, do whatever you want to do with this. Uh, he's expecting it back. So what does God want from us back? What's he want back from us? He has given us something if we are believers. What does he want back from us? That's a that's a question here. I think that comes off the pages. What does he want back from us? Um, ten more talents, or five more talents, or one more talent? Um, I think this goes along with the first parable. We weren't given. Um, they went and acquired the oil by believing and oil was with them. He's giving this talent for us to invest and give back to Him. He's entrusting us with, I think, the Gospel message. I think it has to be seen as kindness, as being a Christian, and as Jerry says, using words if necessary for the gospel message. The gospel message is actually doing most of the time. And occasionally you can put it in words. I'm not sure we can claim that we like convert anybody. That's impossible. But what we can do is we can be 
what we're supposed to be, which is very difficult at times. Very difficult. And we let it bring us returns. We let it grow. We let the money, the value, quarter of a million dollars, double in value. We let it double in value. And when it doubles in value, again, the church is gone here in this picture. Is expecting this to go, this kingdom of heaven to go right down to the wire, right down to the end, right down to the time when he is going to then separate goats from sheep. We'll get into next, probably next week. But right now, this parable has a lot of things emerging here. But the themes, which is interesting, um, are that we call major motifs. I don't know if I like that word. The major thing is the master and the slaves, the master's absence, the entrusting of the responsibility in his absence, and the master's return for reward and punishment. That's what's being said here. If we if we get away from the metaphors. All signaling Matthew's, Matthew's literary intent. His writing this, it intends, this is unquestionably driving the imperative of Matthew 25.13. What's that? If we look at 25.13, it says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man returns. Be ready for Him. Just being ready is a witness. Just being, he says, I'm not going back until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's going to bring him back. That's going to say, I'm coming back to Jesus for the Jewish. The Jews have to say that. <laughs> the nation of Israel kind of has to say that. But, but we also in the rapture which precede this and meet him in the air are also going to have that kind of hopefully that kind of desire in and um, and what's being stressed here the simple elements stressed here are clearly stressed here clearly tell the hidden truth that is in this. This is a mystery. This is a parable where there's a hidden mystery of truth in it. And the hidden truth is, what does he want? Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his words, what he's writing here to us, that we carry in our heart, and we pass this message on, and that we say he's coming to heaven then. Be ready. What is be ready with? Have the oil. Have the Holy Spirit. Believe. Believe this. This is an this is this is an, an a pair. Be watchful for the Son of Man's return, and duplicating the value, the gospel unto salvation value that you are trusted with. That pulls together. I think it pulls together, and then 
money. In Matthew, the silver money, the question, the, the word is unquestionably argyon, I can't say it. Ar, I'll say it. Argoyon, which is silver money. And it's a high value. And he's not trying to say, go out and get money. It's not going to do you any good. But the streets of heaven are paved with iridescent, uh, transparent gold bricks. So that, and it's way ahead of this. The dross on the silver is not what he's talking about in the talent of, of silver. But Jesus get, gives here what he gives here is seen by this generation of Jews for them to come to believe. And then from there goes to discussing the final judgment. But we can stop there, I think. Is there any discussion? We should have any discussion yet. Any thoughts? And Frank Paul emulates all that in verse Thessalonians 5. Says the same thing, carry through. He says, but at the time and season, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And he goes on to say that your children of the light and the children of the day, and we're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And verse 8 he says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. And I think I carried through the exact same thing that he was talking about. And those disciples there that Jesus was talking about obviously carries through and goes to us today to be ready to be faithful to handle it the gospel. And, and that's, I think, what the town's representing there. It's like the, the fruits of uh, gospel landing in new soil. You know, some have a harvest of 40, 60, 100 fold. I think that's what's carrying through there. Is what are we doing with it? You know, are we proclaiming it? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So not only are we living our lives as, as we should following Christ, being lights in the world, so that others might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven, but are we proclaiming that same truth that we're living? Because uh, without words, there is no gospel. Uh, we, we can live a life to point people to Christ and see Christ in us, but we have to tell them the truth and the gospel. Uh, the full gospel narrative, the full story. Right. Yeah. And I think it carries through all the New Testament to us just to be faithful to that gospel. Because the gospel is more than just Jesus dying and, and, and being resurrected on the third day. The whole book is the gospel. In our whole life, we are constantly growing in the gospel in our lives and our words and what we say and do and think. And I think that's a, a strong warning that we get in these chapters. Because we don't know the hour and we want to be found faithful when He comes. Because uh, He could come in any, any moment. You know, that, that helps us in our individual lives, I think, dealing with sin and dealing with all the other stuff. Is if I'm in some kind of sin, am I thinking that Christ could come right now? And if he comes right now and I'm in some kind of sin, how is that going to be for me? You know, I think it changes our mindset the way we live a little bit uh, when we are on that constant watchfulness and readiness uh, that it could be any moment. You know, I think like Paul said, you know, we're not to be sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
and son is uh, serious business. And sometimes what happens is we uh, awaken as as the word as we're in the word, awaken to those flaws within us. I remember back when we were first looking at some of the first chapters. I think it's end of five or six. It says, "Be perfect as God is perfect." And go, whoa! <laughs> Wait a minute. Be perfect? I, yeah, it says that. And so, it may not be possible, but it's what we need need to strive for and to to try and and you can't make talents turn into other talents unless you strive to share that and and actually handle your master's goods. Goods was an interesting word for me in this chapter. Goods. Good goods. I'm still trying to look that up and find out what that exactly means. But I think we all know what it means, but it's maybe more than just what we might think. Maybe a little bigger picture than what we're entrusted with. Um, another word that falls in that point is goods. Is it the little ones? That's his goods. They're his. Is it the future he's talking about the future here so is it the future gospel message that's going to be returned on your legacy that you leave is it the legacy then you leave behind something that speaks to the gospel message yeah there's a lot there and I think the goods is just one word that could be several elements is what I'm saying. Anybody want to close the Robert? You want to close this here? Most gracious heaven, God, thank you for this beautiful message that we received tonight. God just let us get closer, closer and closer to your word. And then we can open our eyes and see what's in there for us. Let us be ready at every given moment Lord, that we uh, be prepared to cover the coming. Lord, just uh, bless this church. Uh, bless Jerry as he gets to feel better. Thanks for Roger for delivering us this tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.